Last week, I felt a nudge to step towards some potential episodes. And the way I did that was to put out a post trying to capture those thoughts. And here's what the post said. I've been pondering an idea to open up some episodes of the Where Did You See God podcast for dialogue with folks that may be concerned or confused by Christianity, who may have been wounded by it, or who simply don't know what to think about God right now. And so when I posted this, I had no idea who would respond and what it could lead to, but I have to give a shout out to my friend Josh. If you've been a listener, you've actually heard two episodes with Josh. Josh actually took the post and shared it, and quickly people began to respond. And right now I've got maybe three or four episodes on deck. And what I love about this is I don't know any of these people. I don't know their stories. I don't know what drew them to this idea. I don't know what's going to come out in the episodes. But one thing I know about God is that when he extends an invitation, when he gives a nudge, he's in the business of doing abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And so my hope and expectation is that God is going to do something with these episodes. This episode with Joey was a lot of fun. And instead of you telling you anything about Joey, I'm going to let you go in like I did, knowing nothing about him. But I want you to listen uh, because Joey is an amazing guy. And what comes out in this conversation is pretty amazing as well. You're listening to episode 51 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you for this opportunity uh, just for Joey and I to sit virtually together and just talk. And uh, I not only thank you for the space, but I thank you for what can happen in this space. So we give it to you. I just pray for your words, not mine. I pray for, uh, yeah, for this to be more than just time in front of a screen. Um, So yeah, we give it to you. We thank you in advance for how you're going to work. I also pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. All right. So I'm excited because I've got Joey here today and I don't know Joey and Joey doesn't know me. (laughs) And we actually came together because I put out a post that my friend Josh put out that Joey saw. uh, And that's what brings us here today. And, and I usually start off in a few different ways, Joey, but I think the way, the question that I want to start off with will probably lead into you know, my normal question of tell us about yourself and this, that, and the other. And my question is this, um, what about the post when you saw it, uh, caught your attention and made you say, yeah, I kind of want to be on this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, uh, thanks for having me on here, Paul. Uh, it's my most unorthodox blind date I've ever been on, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. Um, for the post honestly like i don't know i was kind of just scrolling through it and i saw that and i guess it's just like kind of just like in my life there have been plenty of times i was like i don't know what's going on or like been kind of like turned away from like the church and like felt like confused and hurt so i guess i kind of just related with that and i guess that was like what sold me and made me reach out yeah well then so so tell me so that that place that you just mentioned of having moments where you're like you don't know what to make of the church Usually that's influenced by what was made of the church for you preceding that. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me um, what was the church? Like what was your first interaction with the church and what was that experience? Uh, Oof, kind of leading? Yeah. Long, 
<laughs> uh, let's see. So I was I was born and raised in the church. Uh, I don't know, just kind of like what you did. That was my upbringing. And then like I guess around like middle school, so like 06, 07 is like kind of when it started getting like real for me when I bowed the knee to that whole nine yards. And like that, it was like from that point on, it was like my life. Like, because I like in that moment, I was like, I want to be a youth pastor. I had like all these callings. And I was like, so my whole life was like directly doing something at church, whether it's being at church or like having my accountability buddies. And but it was like, it was my life. And then like going into high school, I don't know if your school had FCA, Fellowship yeah. of Christian Athletes. I was actually, so, yeah. the, I was the president of our FCA. And no I was way. not an athlete at all. So it was hilarious. I mean, that's awesome though, because that was always like the core of FCA is like you don't have to be a Christian or an mm -hmm. athlete, but that was like the common ground for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, so like in high school, uh I was president three years, so like sophomore through senior year of that. And like and that was like my identity. I was like the FCA guy. I was kind of obnoxious about it, but who wasn't in high school? <laughs> yeah, it was like as soon as I graduated high school, uh, I was at a community college, so I was still in the area. I guess like my senior high pastor. Uh, hooked me up with the junior high pastor and like had me start volunteering with the junior high youth group so it was like Sundays I was at church Wednesdays I was volunteering and like that was just my whole life and I don't know so like that's kind of like my backbone like it just gradually became my life but like in a natural good way I guess you could say and then like uh there was a lot of issues that started happening in my church uh whether it just be like uh, visionary things or scandals. Uh, actually, my I'm, I'm, it's, it's so funny. I just say it's a matter of fact because it's true. But uh, my youth pastor was having an affair with his wife with one of the girls in the youth group. Oh, wow. And like, like, I guess I should be more serious when I say that. But it's like, it's been my life for the past eight years now. So it's like, yeah. it's matter to me. But like, so that really was like, that sucks. Uh, I don't know, there's no better way to put it. And like, so that really didn't help. And also like, not long after that, I started like, I don't know, having doubts, having questions and just like wasn't really in a safe place to like speak out because like didn't really have a support group in my church because they had like they were super focused on like their youth group program for middle school, high school. And then they had like adult groups, but like there was nothing for college age. And that's like, yeah. you know, like when you really need something because you're really like discovering yourself and I had nothing there mm -hmm. and I just didn't feel like I could reach out and like times that I did just wasn't really well received and like I don't know that kind of just like gave some confusion gave some of the hurt that I mentioned about yeah man and it's funny how like there's so much of that story too that like even what you just mentioned about the lack of a college group I feel like that is a big issue with a lot of churches and you're right that that period of time is such a a vital one just developmentally period, but spiritually, because <laughs> you're going from this is what everyone's telling me is true and what I need to believe to taking your own personal ownership of it and and not just taking ownership of it, but you're having to stake your life on it because you're not mm -hmm. under the umbrella of everyone else. And that's a that's a crazy period of time. Yeah, like it's not have support. <laughs> terrifying at the same time because you're like someone help me but like you have to figure it out yourself mm. so you know you're you're sharing how this has been kind of the journey there so you, where you are now is it sounds like you are still connected with this church or you're like what's where are you now 
<laughs> well, so I'm actually atheist now. Uh, cats out of the <laughs> plot uh, twist. <laughs> yeah, no one's expecting that. Is that the first one on the podcast? <laughs> I think it might be. Yes, let's go. Got it in. Check it off. <laughs> Had to get something. But uh, yeah, so, well, so I guess kind of segue into that. Yeah. Uh, in like the summer, well, while also working at my uh, church's middle school youth group, uh, I spent a few summers working at a uh, week-long Bible camp in Ohio. Don't know how. I live in Maryland, and there was a middle of nowhere of Ohio because Ohio is just like a abyss of nothing. And somehow there's a summer camp in there. Mm-hmm. I worked there for summers, and it was uh, at-risk youth from Cleveland, and like they get dropped off Monday afternoon, Monday, and then they were there till Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. and then I had a whole week with them, and it was it was a Bible-based outdoorsy camp. And so I did that three summers and like by the end of like my second summer, I was kind of like the head counselor would lead chapel, mm-hmm. all these things, all these responsibilities. So then in my third summer, it was like, I had all these responsibilities again. It was like kind of like the go-to for all the new counselors. And then mind you, this is around the same time that like, I'm trying to work through these issues of not having a, a college age group, still dealing with the blowout of, you know, my youth pastor, former youth pastor mm-hmm. and all these other doubts and things. I'm working through these, not really having a good safety net. And then, uh, so my third summer of the summer camp, the, uh, the first night or first week we were taking them on like a, a night hike and it was, it was a really cool experience. These Cleveland kids, some of them had never even seen stars because they've lived in Cleveland their whole life. It was like, I live in a cornfield in Maryland. That blew my mind. I'd see the stars every single night. So just like, that was a culture shock for me, mm-hmm. but uh, that's a side note. But anywho, so like we're taking them on a night hike and it's like new experience for them trying to get like, be very vulnerable and open with them. And uh, on this hike, it was really rainy. So we had to take a different route. So normally it was just like a big loop. We do some activities, but then this one, we just did like a down and back trail because everything else is kind of flooded out. And we always had counselors in the front and in the back. And I'm a very laid back type B person. So I always just mm-hmm. chilled in the back. That's kind of my role on if you can tell, a white guy with dreads, that's just yeah. kind of the role I play everywhere uh, I go. Yeah, I was in the back, and like as we turned around to come back, uh, the counselor in the front that was leading it was like, told the kids, like, hey, like on the way back, like, let's be silent, use this time to pray, meditate, think, whatever. And I was like, all right, bet kids are gonna be quiet, I'll take that. And then, so as we're hiking back, I don't know, it just hits me. I was like, I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, and like, I don't know what prompted that, it just in that moment of like, open and vulnerable I was like this doesn't seem real to me anymore this seems like a chore and like over that summer I started to realize I was like wow like because like I was so busy pouring out and not really receiving yeah it just became like my life of doing this thing and like I'm a very intentional person like I stopped going to church while still in this process because I was like I'm doing it for the emotions I'm not doing it for anything so mm-hmm. I stopped going also so I could sleep in more but it was mainly mainly was because I wasn't didn't feel it but yeah but yeah so like in that walk I was kind of just like this is just something I do like there's like a huge disconnect between like what my heart felt and what my mind knew because like I've been saying these verses these things these prayers for greater part of a decade with such passion and everything but like I don't know it just becomes repetitive mm-hmm. and it just didn't really feel like I didn't feel it anymore and like I know like it's not a, a feely thing it's a relation but it just like yeah, I didn't really feel it. And again, being a head counselor at a camp with all these responsibilities, didn't really feel safe to really tell anyone that because like, I don't know, like, not like people couldn't have stepped up, but it just, I don't know, I hate like inconveniencing people. And I really just like, 
didn't want to throw that on people. And obviously I couldn't let it show for the kids, but like, so yeah, that was uh, seven weeks of just hell of me just lying to myself. And yeah, like I called my mom on the weekend and just broke down. It's like, I, I don't believe this anymore. And she was like, just get through the summer camp. We'll talk later. And like, I don't know. And then I guess, so that was like 2017 was my last summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. It kind of just turned into like questioning and doubt turned to apathy. Because mm -hmm. I just wasn't getting anything. And I was kind of just like growing so indifferent on it. I just kind of gave up. And then uh, 2018, I was going to a four-year college. At the time, I was at community college. Spent four years in that. And then only two years at a four-year. Don't ask me why. But that's what I took. <laughs> Mixing it up. Uh, see if it works. <laughs> exactly. You know, in my college hunt, I found a college and they're like a private Christian school, but I liked it because they were very laid back about their faith. Like it wasn't like, I don't know, like your like big name, like Messiahs or Liberties, where it's like Bible verses everywhere, super ornate in your face. Like Waynesburg, uh, if you didn't know or go there, you wouldn't know it was a Christian university. So I went to Waynesburg University, shameless plug. They're pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, they're very like, there's no chapel requirements. You take one Bible class, that's it. And like their big thing is like trying to like naturally grow your faith. And like at this moment I was like, you know what? Like, I'm kind of like not sure what I believe. So like I'll go to a Christian college, see if it works out, see if I find something. And then within two weeks of transferring and I was like, yeah, no, this ain't a chief. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was it being a private Christian school. There's a lot of homeschooled sheltered church kids that just don't understand how life works. Mm -hmm. And just like, like I'm, very privileged and had a very decent upbringing myself. I have no room to talk, but at the same time, it's like their biggest struggle was figuring out what community college to go to or what college. Like that's, you don't know struggle. And like, they just seem so disconnected. And my roommate, my junior year was, I don't know, just very sheltered, naive, like your stereotypical homeschool Christian kid. And that's all I knew. Mm. And like, like him and I get along great. We still talk. There's no beef or anything. I don't know. Just like, just seeing that versus like what I felt in like my social circle. I was kind of just like this, I don't know, like all these things culminating together. I was just like, this isn't really working for me. And then like looking at, at the real world and seeing how often churches are messing up on such a wide scale, which I'm, it's so doom and gloom, but it definitely was like another nail in the coffin that had already been pretty sealed shut for me. Yeah. When, as you're talking, it makes me think of, have you ever heard of uh, Rhett and Link? Yeah, YouTubers, right? Yeah. So I've known about them for a long time because they grew up in Bowie's Creek, which is where I went to college at Campbell University. And uh, so I heard about them just as they were getting into YouTube and, you know, then they started to build up and then we're like, wow, how did they become so big. And this year they had some episodes of a podcast that they do where basically they said, Hey, we've been wanting to share some things for a while and haven't known how, uh, but they, they, they shared a similar story to what you shared where they grew up going to church, very involved with a lot of things, very serious about it. I think they were part of crusade and, but then over time they just started to realize, I don't, I, I, I there's some things that I'm struggling with in this. Uh, I, I don't know what I actually believe, or I'm, I'm wrestling with these doubts. And uh, they finally got to a point where they felt like they just kind of had to call it and be open and vocal 
because otherwise it felt like they were having to hide within themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting listening because two things I heard in, at least in what uh, Rhett's story, that one of them I heard in you and one of them I have a question for you about. So the, the two things that I heard was one, he was very clear that he wasn't faking his, his relationship with God or that like the way he was engaging that he wasn't putting on a front. Like he really felt like he was being genuine and honest. He really felt like he was seeking God. And the reason that he named that is because of the second piece, he hit a lot of not just internal things that he had to wrestle with, but a lot of external stuff, responses from other people, ways that other people responded to what he shared. And something that he heard from people was, well, you must not have been serious about it. You must not have really known God. And so if this is too deep of a question, you can, you can veer it off track. But I'm curious, uh, you know, as you've shared more uh, openly about this, whether it's the, from the first conversation with your mom to when you began sharing to other people, what kind of resistance and tension did you run into? Yeah, so like... I definitely would also like my experience has been similar to Rhett, like you said, uh, like it was very genuine for me for a good part of 10 years. Like it meant a lot to me at one point. I mean, like I had someone pray over me or prophesy one of the two. And like, I like felt my body vibrate and I was like, mm. this isn't normal. Uh, so like I had, and like, or in my time as a youth pastor helper, like had things happen that I couldn't explain, like things just working out where like, little too coincidental so like Mm -hmm. things definitely happened and like it was genuine at one point it just like i don't know after a while just wasn't there like there there were times where like when i was younger and was in it i'd pray and would hear or feel things and just Mm -hmm. got to the point where like that wasn't there anymore so like i wasn't always like it definitely was real to me at one point it just kind of stopped um but as far as the feedback like you said um like my mom was very supportive when I called her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's still very much a strong believer, very active in the church. But also we share a lot of frustration in our church because our church is like trying to become a mega church, which is like, no, please don't. <laughs> like we're in a small town. Stop that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like her and I can share a lot of frustrations, even though we're on completely different sides of the, the fence. And then I had some friends that like a lot of like my lifelong friends are like, friends that like I were close with in the youth group scene a lot of them also went through similar things of falling away mm-hmm. so like it was kind of like a like a bonding thing that we were all kind of like working through together and none of us were like cheering each other on to leave or like trying right. to convince day like there was nothing of that it was just like we were all trying to find ourselves which like I remember I was at a retreat as a youth leader and it was really cool because I'm older than a lot of my friends by a few years so I, was, I went as a youth leader but my, my my three best friends at the time were like the guys on the retreat. So I got to hang out through my best friends in Colorado for a week. It was such yeah. a great, but I remember it was a LTCU lead the college university through dare to share. They're very big on like evangelizing and like making disciples. And their big thing is like disciple cycles. So like you get someone and then they get someone, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and it was high school youth age. And they told us like a stat was like 75% of, uh, believers in high school fall away in high school or in college excuse me and there's four of us and we're all like oh no that's never gonna happen and like looking back like yeah three of us did (laughs) yikes but uh 
so yeah, like two of my best friends, like in that group, two of them went through that of uh, falling away as well around the same time, more or less as me. And they were very supportive, very much able to talk, willing to talk about it. But then there's one I had that like the third one in that group that's still a part of it that like him and I were super tight, like best friends. And I remember like that summer I came back home and like we were hanging out one night and like he started like asking questions. So I got up, I opened up and I was like, dude, like these are my doubts. These are my issues. Like, I don't know if I believe this anymore. Like it just, I don't feel it. And he was very cold and like very unreceptive Mm. and like, like we were chilling in our friend's hot tub and I could just see him like physically like spacing himself for me like as if I was some, you know, deadly sinner or something. Mm-hmm. And like, he just like wasn't receptive at all. And then also I was sharing some other issues I have relationally with some family and he just like wasn't empathizing at all. Like was just, like kept telling me what I need to do despite like me telling him how that's not going to work. And like, that was like, I don't know, it definitely like, ruined our relationship for a while which like him and I were really tight friends at the time. Mm-hmm. And like that definitely started like us fading away. And like at one point, like I was pretty sure I was going to be in his wedding. I wasn't like, I had a t-shirt with his name on it. that made just to make fun of him in high school, but really thought that I was going to, you know, get me in the wedding party at least didn't work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and also it's like growing older, growing separate ways. Yeah. But like, he just like, from that moment, he just like really distanced himself from me, which like, that sucked because he was like my main accountability partner growing up. And like at the time, one of my best friends, I haven't spoken to him in I think almost two years now because that's just, that's life at this point. Yeah. So yeah, that was really negative. And then my college being Christian, uh, my, my, I transferred as a junior and pretty much my whole junior year, I just didn't talk about faith or like had done it my whole life to be able to like play the part mm-hmm. and didn't really mention it. And then like towards the end of junior, senior years, when I was like, I was more established, had a closer friend group, and then I could like start telling them like, hey, like these are my thoughts. And almost all of them, actually, I think all of them were very open, supportive. I mean, they're college kids. They're like, oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Good pizza. Yeah, we're good pizza. Like things like that. Um, yeah, really, I've only had a few negative things. And like, I, I wasn't very outward about it uh, just because like going to a Christian college, I didn't want to like broadcast that to everyone. Yeah. Also, like I played on the soccer team and my one, after my junior year, my coach was like, we were like how, uh, how Christ-like you are. And I was like, oh, I'm just trying to be a good person. <laughs> but I, co- I couldn't say anything. I went into the playing yeah. time. And like a lot of my friends were on the college FCA scene. So I'd hang out with them, go to FCA, but I was just hanging out with friends. But like, so I, I didn't want to like, I don't know, make it awkward for people. So I didn't say anything at college unless I was like in like a more intimate setting. Mm-hmm. But then like after graduating, I shared something on Facebook. It was actually, uh, I forget his name, but the singer from Hawk Nelson his like article recently mm-hmm. he, like i shared that and i was just like same and my old youth pastor not the not the uh one that got fired for obvious reasons but uh my youth pastor when i was in middle school who i'm super tight with and like was like a father to me because i was at his house more than mine for most of my middle school he wasn't negative but he was kind of just like what the heck and i was like this i'm sorry this is this is life and he's like I was like, don't let your that college change the way you think. And I was like, dude, it's a Christian college. Like, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Like, yeah. but you're like, other than just, like just those two incidents, honestly, it was like a very positive response, which like mm-hmm. I can say, like, going with like, you know, the name of your podcast, that's where I saw God was like mm-hmm. genuine Christians 
being just loving people and being like still being my friend despite me giving up on the faith yeah that's good to hear because that's not everybody's experience it's encouraging to hear that you had friends that actually could because that's what what christ would do i feel like Mm -hmm. is what that's what we see him doing throughout scripture is everybody that uh you know the pharisees or others would say oh you're not supposed to talk to them you're not supposed to interact with them jesus is like but I'm going to, <laughs> yeah, uh, because he saw people authentically, not based off of categories. And I think that's the hard thing with the church. And I would, I would say more specifically the American church, because we have a tendency because of we're so individualistic, it forces us to categorize people. And, you know, Rhett shared, uh, Rhett and Link both shared a similar thing to what you shared about the, the youth pastor saying, well, like you kind of pinned it on college. You went to college and that's what did it. And there's this idea out there that Christians that are in high school, if they go to college, that's where their faith gets taken away from them. When in reality, it's what you and I were talking about earlier. It's just that it so happens that they're in college at the age at which there is this internal developing happening. You know, it happens the same way if someone doesn't go to college and you know, of course, there is the whole piece about you can go to certain environments and hear new ideas. We don't need to get into all that. But for them, they shared how it part of where they got that kind of feedback was the fact that they moved to California, they moved to LA. And they moved from uh, rural North Carolina. And so there were people that were like, well, it's because you moved to LA. It's, you know, it's because you're in that culture. It's because you're interacting with people who are, you know, and what it reveals is a lot of times we can, Christians can create an an identity around certain ways of functioning, certain uh, specific beliefs, certain stances, and that becomes what a Christian is. And anything outside of that, uh, at best, it's like, uh, at worst, it's like you are an enemy. So I'm glad you didn't have that happen. (laughs) To a, yeah. to a huge extent. It's interesting how you said about like just categorizing things. Like in my time as a Christian, like I would only listen to Christian music. Like mm-hmm. even though like, I listened to heavy metal and all that stuff, I'd only listen to like Christian bands, any secular band. I was like, oh no, can't listen to that. And like, just like any like social situation, I was always like trying to put a Christian perspective on it and like very like keeping it in that circle, not being open-minded and open to new things and like i don't know what type of music you listen to but uh there's a band called under earth yeah uh, i know okay. under earth. <laughs> I, I figured you would but like yeah. i didn't i don't want to say it and they, they're just like an awkward pause first date you know we're figuring this out yeah but, <laughs> so, so like i'm sure then you remember uh their most recent cd they dropped the f word and like people are like holy crap like what happened to these dudes and i was so a part of like the christian's belief at that point and i was like i wouldn't listen to their album i was like oh like they sold out they're not christians and like now i listen to it and i'm just like dang like this is a good album why did i sleep on this like just mm-hmm. things like that that's i don't know that was a sidetrack but like i my faith definitely like put me in certain areas mm-hmm. like that but i think it's i don't yeah i i would say it's not a sidetrack because i think that's really what it what it hits at is how we understand identity and if we only understand identity is kind of Christians never curse, right? Like you and I talked about this earlier, then 
anybody who falls into that suddenly is like, can't be a part. Like if you engage in that, you can't be what I understand to be what a Christian is. And, and I think the problem is, is that there are like, you can get into the weeds of that, but it kind of misses the point that at the core, everyone, anyone who is a Christian is committing to believing that everyone is made in the image of God. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the big things you're signing up for is that everyone, not just people who look like you or act like you or function like you, everyone is made in the image of God. And the other thing you sign up for is how you respond to that, which Jesus summed up very simply is love God and love others. The problem is, is that we don't really pay attention to how Jesus fleshes out that love piece and how he Mm -hmm. demonstrates it. And a lot of Christians can end up functioning more like the Pharisees did, or even like the disciples did, because the disciples did a lot of good things, but they're also the ones that were trying to ignore the folks like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road and the people who were hungry. Like they were like, ah, stop, stop. Now, Jesus, we need to take care of Jesus. You need to step back. And Jesus is like, but that's who I'm here for. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so I think the more we come to actually look for the actual identity of a person, the actual image of God in a person, if we actually try to do that, it, 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 it forces us to change how we engage. So I can't just write you off, right? Because you said earlier, well, I'm an atheist now, like, but there are Christians that would be like, oh, well, oh my gosh, yeah. man, I've got to, oh no, the connection's bad. Yeah. I got to, uh, um, but that's, Jesus never did that. And mm-hmm. even for the people who deserved to be written off, like Judas taking money to betray him, what did Jesus do? Like he washed his feet, his stinky, nasty feet. And then he like was really like gracious about in the, he didn't call him out publicly in front of everyone. He's just like, Hey man, go do what you got to do. And everyone else is oblivious and Judas leaves and they're like, Hey, where'd Judas go? Huh? I guess he's going to get some money or something. Right. Yeah. Like he exuded so much love, even to his actual enemies. I mean, he's up on the cross. People are laughing at him. Like he had just been beaten and all that. And he says, forgive them. Cause they don't know what they're doing. Right. Like, but that's Christians today, <laughs> Christians throughout history. But I think this is some you noted, like there's a lot of struggles in the church now. That's got to be one of the biggest struggles is we don't actually know what it means to love. And as a result, we are acting in really unloving ways to others and mm. pushing people away. <laughs> it was always interesting too, like working with the youth, uh, having dreads, uh, the music I listen to, or like, they were pretty covered with my t-shirt right now, but I have a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. and like seeing like parents, like kind of like shield their kid away from me. And I'm like, Oh, like he works here. Like, or like, I had this weird phase where I wouldn't wear shoes at church. Uh, mixed with being an angsty teenager. And also like, I would also tell people like, I, I'd uh, quote the verse in Joshua where like, uh, I think it was Joshua, like uh, God meets Joshua before the battle. And it's like, take your sandals off. This is holy ground. And like, it was, that was like my cop out for when like people tried to call me off being an angsty teenager. I was like, no, like if we want to revive from this church, like we need to treat it like holy ground. Hence I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> a bad cop out, but I tried. So yeah. like, uh, my parents was like, like, Oh, that's the, the barefoot dread kid. Like how dare he work at the youth group? And like, end of the night they pick their kids up and they'd be like, yeah, like Mr. Joey was dope. And like, where parents would like talk to me and be like, wow, like you're actually a decent person. Like just things like that. Like I loved watching like parents, like 
their guard have to forcibly drop because like they had such like a preconceived notion of me on my appearance or how I carried myself. Because mm. I also look and sound a lot like a stoner. I've never smoked, but I always get that vibe. <laughs> uh-huh. don't help. I'm also just laid back and I have glazy eyes. So I do it to myself. <laughs> but like so parents would always like, uh, and then I don't know, just like I liked proving them wrong in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> so a question that came to my mind, and you can also shove this one away. You know, you mentioned that you're an atheist. And so one, how do you define, because people define atheists in different ways. How do you define atheist? So that one was was tricky for me because at first I said I was agnostic Mm -hmm. because I don't know, indoctrination is, it sucks. And like when I first was like, I don't know, just that whole process of like, I don't believe this, no one's helping me and then trying to find my way afterwards kicked my butt i it sucked and for a while i was like still holding on like there's got to be something i just don't feel comfortable saying it's one thing like i don't feel comfortable saying it's god when there's hundreds of other religions and higher powers it could or couldn't be and so it it started out with me as i was agnostic because i didn't know what it could be i didn't want to put my finger on one thing and it'd be wrong like i thought i had been doing for so long and I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea of there being a higher power, a, a God. It's just like, it's, it's very uh, humanistic and selfish, but it's like, I, in my everyday life, I'm just like, I don't care. Like that really doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess it's just an apathy or uh, being oblivious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always my coping mechanism just pushing things aside and forgetting about it. So maybe I'm just continually doing this, uh, but <laughs> So it's it's not like, I mean, I'm not going to like be one of those like hardcore, really cagey atheists, like, no, like God isn't real. I'm like, screw you. If you like, no, that's not what I'm about at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know if there's anything out there. Don't really care. No. But at the same time, like there are things happening for some people and it means a lot to them. So that's awesome for them. It's just not for me. Yeah. And also people seem to respond to atheists better than they do agnostics. I feel like I just say that half the time too. <laughs> How, what, what have you seen? How have you seen them respond different? Uh, so ath- or agnostic, people ask more questions. Mm. Atheists, people are just kind of like, okay. Because like, I feel like agnostic is still also kind of a gray area or yeah. atheist, like clear cut, nothing. So like, I don't know, people like, if I say I'm agnostic, they like ask more questions or maybe someone's like, what denomination is that? Like, oh, honey, it's not. <laughs> yeah. A- <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just easier to say I'm your friendly neighborhood atheist than agnostic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the part of the reason I wanted to ask is because there is like a stereotype around atheists. The way that you've talked for the last half hour or so don't fit that stereotype, which I think is important. I hope that there is someone that listens to this podcast that <laughs> has that stereotype and that it can be kind of chipped away or broken. Because I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things is when people are just written off, when, when Christians write off people because mm-hmm. they have their mind set around what an agnostic is or what an atheist is or what a, because um, the truth is, I mean, what you just explained is for so much of your life, you were authentically trying to engage this thing called Christianity. You were trying to connect with this, this entity called God and this person called Jesus. You were 
authentically trying to engage and, and navigate that, you hit a point where it's like, I feel like I am just playing a role and going through a rhythm. And it seems like you're, you, it seems like you're the type of person that wants to be authentic. And yeah. so like that had to be a miserable space of like, I really want to believe this, but I can't just force this and I don't want to pretend like it. And then you're entering this, you into this space after that of like, well, what in the world do I do? And it doesn't help that, as we mentioned, support networks for that whole 20s age range are lacking. It's either you're in high school or you're a parent. <laughs> Everything under yeah. that is like gap. But then you have the volatile nature of the American church right now where there's thousands of denominations and each one thinks that they're the right denomination and people spouting very confidently, this is what a Christian is and this is who God is. And another one says, no, this is what it is. And wait, you're a Republican, wait, you're a Democrat. And like, and somehow a person that like, you're in this position where you're like, well, <laughs> like that just looks like a mess. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's funny you said the denominations because uh, I'm in this group chat on Facebook with a bunch of internet friends. I've only ever met one of them in person. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like a group of us that are all, well, most of us, I can't say myself, but all of them like, are connected through uh, like Christianity and then like Christian metal. Mm -hmm. And so that was like our, our base, but like obviously our conversations aren't just about metal or christianity it's it's a group chat everyday life yeah but like a lot of them have very different backgrounds so they all have different denominations and like when they, when they added me to the chat uh i was already on like the i don't know anymore phase but like i still liked christian metal and i was like still friends with some of them so i was like yeah sure add me to the chat and like just watching them like so passionately argue over denominational differences did not help my questioning the faith and i'm just like if this like book is true and I know it's an open, it's a, it's a living, breathing book that is open to interpretation. So yes, there's gonna be differences, mm -hmm. but these are large scale, like clear defined differences that people are super passionate of. And I was just like that, I don't know, like seeing that divide within the umbrella of Christianity is like, guys, like what the hell? Come yeah. on. Yeah. There's a passage. I'm not even going to try to look it up. <laughs> but I think it's in Titus, maybe Titus 4. I say that like I've got scripture memorized. <laughs> I might be making this up. But somewhere in Titus, it talks about how you know, don't get caught up in divisive talk and quarrels and this, that, and the other. Because that's just, I mean, it doesn't say this, but it's just nonsense. Like it actually <laughs> causes issues. Uh, but that's what we see. <laughs> There's so much divisiveness. There's so much rhetoric that's really around like, this is what's true and this is what you have to do. And, and what so much of scripture is about is the way you love is that you find, you, you accept a, a reality of unity. It's not something that you force or fake, but it's like this decision to accept that I am, I am okay being unified with this person. And I think the American church often is not. Like I'm okay being unified with you as long as you mm -hmm. can disavow this thing that you support, or you can uh, accept this specific way of baptizing, or right, and and you know even in New Testament times, 
I mean, you had the Pharisees saying, this is the only way to access God and you need to do this, this, and this. And if you can't, so sorry, you can't make it. And definitely if you're a Gentile, you can't make it. And then you fast forward and Paul's calling out groups that are going around saying, oh yeah, you can, you can be a Christian, but you have, you have to be circumcised. You absolutely have to be. And if you're not, then you're, it's not authentic. And it's like, there's always been these like club rules that were <laughs> pushed and enforced. But in reality, like Jesus was like, Hey, yeah, you're a fisherman. Come on. You're a, you're a tax collector. Cool. Hey, you were mm-hmm. possessed by demons. Come on. Yeah. I'm going to have dinner with a bunch of sinners. You have a problem with that? Like this right. is how he operated because again, he was seeing people as made in the image of God as loved by God. And he said often, like, I only do what I see my father doing. So if my father's loving them, then that's what I'm going to do. But when Christians get caught up. <laughs> yeah. Like it really like John three sixteen, the verse everyone knows people always forget the, the whole, you know, whosoever, not whosoever who looks this way, like literally whoever the heck, like anyone, whosoever, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) But it's, I think it is important because I think there you're not alone in, in being in this type of a place where the, the Christianity that was presented to you throughout your life, you now are like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. And it's hard to know. Like, it's kind of, you said it, like, it makes sense to get apathetic because it's like, things are a mess right now. So I don't even know what's going to exist. So why would I want to like, but there are so many, I I used to work with, um, I used to run an internship program. So we're talking like over the course of five years, hundreds of young adults who are in that age period of like college age or just out of college. And I can't tell you how many really questioned their faith, really questioned Christianity, really questioned God and how many have like, you know, the stereotypical walked away And I think what struck me is how often they weren't necessarily walking away from God, but they were walking away from ways that God had been projected to them, Mm -hmm. ways that Christianity had been projected. And they might not realize that, but I like in hearing and talk to them, like, yeah, man, your beef's not actually with God. I think (laughs) like, I think it's with this fake idol of a God that people have made and painted God on it. I got that from a few people. Uh, I mean, they're so receptive, but like my mom was one of the first, she was like, well, it sounds like you're not like giving up on God. You're giving up on the church. And it's like, I gave up on the church years ago. Now I'm giving up on God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, I think, you know, what you're, I appreciate everything that you're sharing because since there are so many people that are in that space, stuff like this takes away the element of uh, the stigma and the, 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 the feeling of being alone. Cause that's the other piece when you're a part of something that's meant to be a strong community. And then for whatever reason, it, it fails to be that, whether it's because it failed to be that, or because, you know, the person removed themselves from that, that leads to a space of can lead to a space of loneliness. Um, mm-hmm. Or and even guilt, like, well, then something's wrong with me. <laughs> like if if I used to believe this and now I don't. Yeah. And so I appreciate everything that you're sharing and the authenticity in which you're sharing it. Because again, like I I feel like this is like <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it made me think of what your coach said. It's like, man, you're Christ-like. Like I feel like there's 
things in the way that you communicate that, that contain integrity and humility and extend a grace that I imagine if someone else was listening, like if you were conversing with someone that was in a hard place themselves, like it would bring a level of the kind of stuff that Christ was trying to bring. That mm -hmm. makes sense. And that's what I love about, because obviously I believe in God. <laughs> yeah. No. Right? And, and I spent a lot of time thinking about how Jesus would function, you know, and how he's calling us to function. And that's what gets me excited is it's, it's like a, the, my church uses this phrase upside down kingdom. And the, what it means is that there's a way that we think the world operates. And there is a way that like the rules of life and all that kind of stuff that then Jesus comes and he flips it all upside down. And, you know, you get this classic, the first will be last and the last shall be first. And like these dichotomies where it's like flipped, you know, the fact that people thought that the way that he would transform is by coming in with the sword and killing people, but he actually came in with humility and got killed himself. Like it, it's totally flipped. And what that does is it presents this image that while the world would say it's the people like the Pharisees who make the spiritual difference because they've kept all the laws and they've read all the scripture and they memorize the things. So they're at the top of the spiritual totem pole and they're the ones that have influence. You know, the big thing that Jesus did is come and say, no, actually like, that's not how you do it. It doesn't matter how much you've read or what good you've done. It just matters whether you're willing to step in. And, and that's how then he had a crew of folks that everyone else would have dismissed, but from their own places, they were able to accomplish things, do things, represent things that in themselves they could have never have seen. Peter was a fisherman. Like he did not count on that down the line. Yeah. I don't think Jesus was like, you know, had like a list, like I want a fisherman and this, like he just found people. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to respect your time. We're coming up close to an hour, but before we go, were there any questions that you had that you're like, I want to throw this out there. Any comments that you had or anything that you're like, I want to say this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nothing pressing, I guess, but like, I do want to say like, I don't know, Christian media is also really bad. I'm not going to like talk bad on it, but like <laughs> they just love like the cliche, like angry ballistic atheist. And yeah. like, that's like not, I mean, like there are plenty like that. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. Just, I also just could be an anomaly. I don't know. I just try to, you know, just be a decent person. I like to think that's where like most people's goals are. So like, I don't know, like I remember being a Christian and being so like offended if someone was an atheist and like, nah, like they can be good people. Like there's nothing that needs to divide that. And also at the same time, another thing I do want to say is also like, like I mentioned earlier, being atheist, I still have Christian friends, Christian connections. And like, it's so easy to see the negative in the large scale church and the small scale but there's still like so many good things being done by Christians, by believers. And like, you're not going to see that on uh, like scrolling through Facebook or, mm -hmm. you know, watching the news because anything that's getting publicity is stupid and probably not good. But like there are genuine people out there, whether it's just like getting dinner with someone or just hanging out, like there is still so much good out there regardless of where it comes from. Like, I don't know, this is an atheist praising Christians, probably again, something you weren't expecting. But <laughs> like, like I, again, I have no beef with 
well, no, I do have some beef with Christians, but no beef with like genuine good people. And there are plenty of genuine good Christians out there. And like, I don't want this podcast to dissuade people for the faith at all. I'm not like have an atheist propaganda to try to (laughs) people away. Like, nah, like if it works for you and you're doing good, like keep it up. Don't stop. Yeah. What, man, some, some, the way you just worded it, like you gave these two pictures of people who are just genuinely authentically just going out and, and, you know, you said doing good. You could even even say like exuding love, right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned both Christians and atheists, right? And and people could point to like atheists that don't do that. People could point to Christians that don't do that. And I think what I love is that where that, I think a good question that we can ask is what is driving that? And this is what I, I heard somebody talk once about one thing that they, they're like, man, I just, one thing I really love about atheists is that like there are so many of them that are just doing really loving things, but while Christians might do it because they're trying to check up a box, atheists are just doing it. They're not answering. They're not doing it because the God told them to like, they're just doing it because they're good people. And, <laughs> and that's one thing I really appreciated is like, it kind of hits at the core of what is driving a person. And just like the Pharisees, like they did some good things, but they were also driven by some not good things. And that ultimately <laughs> led to some negative, negative things. But if we get to the core of a person, you know, and what drives them, it really uncovers a lot. But we only get there if we're actually trying to understand a person. We're actually trying to see a person. We're actually sitting down and having a conversation. We're actually staying at the table, you know, longer than we might want to sometimes. But that's the way we, you know, move forward is we actually see people as people <laughs> made in the image of God, if that's what we believe, or just people that are deserving of respect, dignity, and love because simply because they exist, not because they earned it. I think we'd see a lot of really great things happen. <laughs> and I will say, I think some of my, like, I don't know, like you mentioned authenticity and just like wanting to love people. Like that definitely does come from being raised Christian. Like that's just what I've known is mm-hmm. to love people. And I don't know, I'm just a, big old teddy bear. I just want to love everyone. <laughs> They're like, regardless of what I believe, but like having those core values as a Christian growing up, like they were good values. Like I, I still value them. Like I have the fruit of the spirit tattooed on me. I'm yeah. not going to cover that up. Cause like, those are still good things to live by. It's just, I live by them at face value, but still like they're it's good things out there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joey. This was good. I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. <laughs> I, I do want to say like, thanks for, for doing it. I guess we needed to know as an atheist beforehand, but like <laughs> I've had so many, like, I don't know, like I've been so disgusted by like so many things of like Christian media where like I'd watch it and just be like, oh, and turned off. But like, this is, this is a good experience for me too. I, I, I did really enjoy it as well. I wasn't turned away or disgusted by when we like covered faith things. It was, it was really fun for me as well. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I was uh, coming into it. I was I was kind of excited about going in blind, right? Because then, you know, who knows what the conversation will be. But I was also going, I was like, I don't know what the conversation is going to be. I was so close to messaging you like, I'm atheist. Am I allowed to be on that? <laughs> Am I allowed to come in? <laughs> um, no, but this is, yeah, no, I really appreciated it. I loved it. Um, yeah, man. And I'm just grateful for you. Thank you.
as I was processing this episode and what to share at the end here, a question that came to my mind is, who do we say that God is? You know, I'm doing this podcast called, Where Did You See God? But who we understand God to be is going to impact how we see him, what we even look for, what we expect from him, how we understand him. And throughout this episode, we see this question coming up, both in how Joey processes that question, both in the past and present, how I've processed that question, how the American church is engaging that question. And it's not a new question. In fact, if we go to Matthew 16, we see Jesus bringing it up. Starting in verse 13, we read, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And the big thing is, is if they saw Jesus as just a prophet, then their expectations were that he might be able to speak for God, but that would probably be it. Their expectations would be limited. But Jesus goes on. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what's so powerful here is because this is how Simon saw Jesus, that meant that his understanding of what Jesus was capable of was becoming limitless. His expectations for how Jesus would respond and act, he might not put barriers on it because he doesn't know what to expect from the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now we know from looking at Peter's story that his understanding of Jesus still had a lot of growth ahead. His understanding was still underdeveloped, just as all of ours are. But this was the start of something very important because he was beginning to see and hear Jesus differently. But here's the good news for us. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And this is why this is important. In Peter's time, the people who had the most spiritual access were told to be the Pharisees because they're the ones who had invested their lives into reading the scripture, into living out the scripture, into keeping the laws. And so if anyone was going to be able to accurately discern the spiritual realm, it was going to be the Pharisees. But what Jesus is saying to Peter is basically, you didn't figure this out because you're smart. You didn't figure this out because you put the work in. You didn't figure this out because someone else told you. My father in heaven chose to reveal this to you. So here's what's beautiful, is that if we are willing to take steps towards Jesus, if we're willing to crack open our eyes and ears to God, there could be things that God could reveal to us that we never would have found on our own. We never even would have known to look for on our own. And it can happen in big ways and small ways. I was really struck by one thing that Joey shared when he shared how he started to tell more people that he had become an atheist. One of the things he said was, you know, in light of the name of the podcast, where did you see God? Where he saw God was genuine Christians being loving people. And I don't know what his friends were experiencing at that time. If they didn't know what to say, if they were feeling emotions, if they were confused, if they were scared. But what I do know is that regardless of what they were thinking or feeling, they exuded love towards their friend, Joey. That no matter what else was going on within them, they knew they were going to love him. Simple acts like that can carry more power than we know. 
not just for Joey, not just for the friends, but even for us listening to these stories. The simple acts that are happening in your life can reveal more than flesh and blood could. And so here's my encouragement to you. I keep on inviting you to ask the question, where did you see God? But I want to ask you a different question. Who do you say that God is? How do you understand him? How does your understanding of God possibly create limitations or barriers for what you expect from God? What do you think God's purpose is and his goal? What do you think he's trying to accomplish? I know these are a lot of questions, but these are all the questions that come from the core question of who do you say that God is? And who you say that God is is going to impact how you look and listen and how willing you are to look and listen. And what if, what if in in light of all the things we don't know about God, what if we did believe that God is God and God is good? How does that change how we look at him and listen to him? How does that change what we expect to see and hear? This is a question that isn't a one-time deal and then we're good. This is a question that we continue to ask. I continue to ask that question and my answer to who do I say God is continues to change. But as it does, my engagement with God changes as well. So that's the challenge. And of course, as you are asking that question, do continue to ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, Think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?